the Boom Podcast. I'm Candace Wynn, and I am joined here by my brother, Robert E. Pervy. Hey. And Pervy. It's a new year. You you kept me. It's a new year. Happy I made new it. year, bro. I made it through 2023. <laughs> you renewed my we contract for the... <laughs> You renewed my contract for a new year. And we got you in the studio. Come on. I'm here. I'm in one of my favorite cities. I love ATL. Really? A lot of good people here. You yeah. know, it's real black in Atlanta. I love it. Atlanta <laughs> well, real, real black. it's real hot in Texas. It's, it's all Listen, good. I went to Texas last summer. I think about it, but when I came and saw you for a wave conference. Yeah. Man, I stepped off the airplane and I could not breathe. It was a wrap. Asthma attack and yep. I didn't even got asthma. <laughs> but yeah, but we here in the studio. So yeah. normally we're doing this virtual. Yeah. You know, right? You and your place. I'm in my place. We pulling this thing together. But today we get to be in the studio. I love it. And actually high five in person, yeah, right. fist bump, all that stuff. So it's good to be in the place. It's good to be I'm here. excited. And it's Black History Month. Yo. And, and we got an extra day this year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God for the lead. Yeah, we got an extra day this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a blessing. That is a blessing. And, you know, as I was really praying about the direction for Black History Month and the conversation that I want us to have for this month. You know, at first we were thinking about, okay, what kind of stories can we tell? You know, leaning into that unsung heroes yep. kind of a thing. And then I started thinking, that God woke me up in the middle of the night one night. It was a Saturday morning and really, really just convicted me about that. And a huge part of the conviction was a lot of churches or organizations or just people, period, in Black History Month. And I know it's Black History Month, so yes, lean into the history. Mm -hmm. I get it. But a lot of people just lean into the history and stay in that history, mm. right? And not that anything is wrong with talking about history because we have to talk about history. Right. Especially when we got states that are banning books and forbidding certain history um, be taught within their schools, right? Especially when the climate of our, and our nation looks the way that it is. We have absolutely have got to be leaning into history right. and talking about culture. But I feel like we, the church, have a unique opportunity to, to push people beyond the history and propel them into the future. Mm -hmm. And I'm using that word propel intentionally mm -hmm. because propel is a word that God gave me as I was thinking about this episode. Because if we don't push people beyond the history, then we'll remain stagnant and paralyzed about what the past has been. Yeah, absolutely. And the past has caused all kind of problems and all kind of disparities. When you think about talk about the wealth gap, right? The way or even like the the number of people of color here, not just black, but people of color who own mm -hmm. businesses, mm -hmm. right? If you think about, you know, like redlining, all those different things have had a negative impact on our people. And what those things have directly done is caused a a gap in the ability f to have access to resources, yeah. right? I think about, quick story here, I think about my grandfather and how my grandfather was a scientist. And he literally, like, legit invented the stealth bomber. Mm. He invented the stealth bomber. But yet, he got a check in the 70s for $200 for it. That's equivalent to probably like $1,000 a day. So wow. this was like, hey, I don't know how many years later, because I'm not good at math, but we're in 2024 now. My family, I mean, what do I have to show for it? $170,000 in student loan debt. Wow. That's what I have to show for it. Yeah. Because my family wasn't allowed to utilize that great invention that our nation is still capitalizing and using yeah. and benefiting from. We're, 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 still, we're still experiencing, you know, the disparities of that. So I think that, you know, a lot of times within our black communities, we experience the same thing. And it, that directly impacts the ways that people within, you know, um, but then black communities are able to give back to black churches. Mm -hmm. It impacts the ways that churches are able to prioritize and fund 
Next Gen Ministries. Yeah. Which leads us to our conversation today. Come on. <laughs> long segue, long intro, but it leads us to our conversation today. And the conversation that we're talking about today is how to get some money for these ministries. Come on. Because Commin- people Commin- in the Ministries need money. Ministries need money. It ain't free, yeah. man. Yeah. So we have someone here with us. We have the doctor, Dwayne Winrow, who is a senior minister at the Reseda Church of Christ, all the way out there in California. Hey, Doc. How you doing How you today? Doing? I'm so delighted to be here. I want to say just from the beginning, now, I'm not an expert. You know, I just came, <laughs> I just come here with some experience <laughs> that, I, that I'd like to share, yeah. you know, and maybe a knowledge base, you know, based upon experience. But uh, I appreciate being invited. I appreciate the fact, the opportunity that I've had the opportunity to intersect with you, Candace, and what mm-hmm. you're doing you know, and 10 by 10 and all that's going on there. And then the people associated with Orange and things that are going on there. I'm I'm, I'm excited about all of this. Yeah. What part of California are you in? I'm in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. It's okay. suburban Los Angeles, Los Angeles in a way. Uh, we are in the entertainment district, okay. you know, where all the studios are, where Magic Mountain those places so you got the good weather uh, i was just in la a couple of weeks ago I, i'm gonna make sure we get information so the next time i'm out there i can get in touch with you but i wish i could bring la weather back to texas <laughs> that's real hey, i, I that's mean real. it is beautiful yeah stuff i've experienced you know just traveling you know i stopped off in denver they opened the plane door man and i said i couldn't believe it how <laughs> 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 do people live with this right <laughs> you know oh, it's, it's unbelievable yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's funny. But it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but and I know you, I get I, I get it. And I hear you say that you're not an expert, and I respect that. Um, but one of the things that I also respect about you in the time that I've known you is that there are some, you know, just for those listening, within Church of Christ, there's not senior pastors. They have senior ministers, right? Um, so within many churches, you know, they might have like senior pastors, senior pastor this. So, but you are the senior minister, which is equivalent to a senior pastor. Yep. I have no I have no problem with people referring to me. In Churches of Christ, for example, uh, there's a commitment. You know, we come out of what is called the Reformed tradition, the, mm-hmm. the Reformed side of the Protestant Reformation. And the Reformed side was the second generation of Reformers that had the vision of restoration as, as opposed to reform. You know, when Luther came along, they were trying to reform the Catholic Church. A hundred years later, they figured out the Catholic Church was not going to reform. Mm-hmm. You know, so then they began to look at the idea of restoring the faith as we read about it in Scripture. And, and Churches of Christ is born of that type of mindset mm-hmm. that we are we are committed to the high vision of the church as it was as it was deposited, and therefore trying to be, you know, the church. Uh, by teaching what was taught then, practicing what was taught then. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of defines our identity. In all that, in the ways that you have just taught me a lot of that that history, one of the things that I've just admired about you is your heart, you know, your, your, your pastoral heart. And you don't really find a whole lot of senior leaders who have a pastoral heart and who also have a strong entrepreneurial spirit, right? You f- might find some that have a serious pastoral heart, but don't necessarily have the entrepreneurial aspect of them. Or you might find some who are high, heavily um, entrepreneurial, but don't necessarily have the pastoral side, right? But the way that you blend those two together and lead your church is, is something that's, that's remarkable. And I think that it's, it's a wisdom from your experience that um, 
many people will be able to benefit from when it comes to figuring out, okay, how can we really go about securing more money independently for our ministries? At our church at one point was, we were in a capital campaign and they were, I was told to raise a million dollars. <laughs> exactly. A million dollars. What? I raised a million dollars? How am I supposed to do that? <laughs> right. No plan, no strategy. No plan. Go get it. Go get it. And I'm like, um, get it. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I didn't know the first place to start. Many people don't know where to start when it comes to trying to secure um, more money for their ministries. Can you provide a little bit of insight about the historical financial challenges faced by black communities? I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, where we want to go with this, you know, reorientating the church, you know, to be more community centric as opposed to being church centric, mm -hmm. you know, historically, uh, we have, we have viewed the church, uh, the church has been viewed in the past as being for the church, the mm -hmm. church exists for the church. Um, but as we grow in our understanding of the biblical vision of the church, you know, especially, you know, coming through the history of the civil rights movement where they use the motif of the beloved community mm -hmm. that comes right out of Ephesians 2. You know, the idea of the beloved community as a model for society, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's important, you know, that we that we understand that model and embrace that model because so much uh, that's associated with an oppressed people. Mm. Uh, one of the things about oppression is limited vision. It creates limited vision. Mm. You know, many of our children, because we come up, you know, in circumstances that, like you talk about Redland and all of that, that type of thing, they never, they see themselves as owning businesses mm -hmm. because they ain't nobody around them own them. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They don't see themselves as being masters. You know, they only see servants. And so I think it's important, you know, that church model you know, the vision that God has for the church as an extended family uh, that enables, uh, empowers people that have been oppressed, mm -hmm. that have been suppressed, you know, to become all that God intends them to be. And we can only do that by, by putting forth a model of community, a model of leadership, even the leader. That's why I have chosen, for example, to be entrepreneurial uh, in my approach to leading the church. Uh, and not just simply be dependent upon, you know, a salary from the church. As a matter of fact, you know, most of my income does not come from, you know, the church itself. It comes from what I'm doing uh, and what I choose to do in terms of trying to be the model of leaders, not only for the families of our church, uh, but for the leadership of our church. Mm -hmm. And so the church itself, you know, historically, uh, has to get beyond the notion that the church exists simply, you know, as a as a refuge, right. you know, center, Ooh, yeah. you know, for mm -hmm. members of the church who are hurting and this type of thing. It's just where people can go and find support in this type of thing, you know. But when you start talking about what God is doing in the process of what uh, we may call sanctification, you know, that's justification when you obey the gospel, then there's sanctification when God places you in the church for spiritual growth and development, you know, then ultimately, you know, we talk about glorification, mm -hmm. you know, but some of that theology really comes from the white church experience too. Mm -hmm. And it's limited, <laughs> you know, when we talk about being glorified, you know, are, are the promised land, you know, notice all that is couched beyond Jordan and Jordan is the, is, is the stream where you cross debt, mm. cross over, you mm. know, that type of thing. 
And so no glorification on this side, you know, which is, which is so theologically flawed. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about Christ being in you, the hope of your glory, mm. you know, the hope of your, the hope of all that God wants you to become is in the, in the realization that God put his presence, his power, his providence within that's the believer. Right. That's right. And the Bible said, that's the mystery of the Christian faith. The mystery is that the accomplishment of faith is not human achievements. They're divine accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. I remember when, I don't want to start preaching here, but, <laughs> but I remember when, uh, uh, in what, what is the Haggai, you know, he was chronicling, uh, the rebuilding of the temple uh-huh. and, and getting on the people because they had, when they got back to their homeland, they got preoccupied with rebuilding their own homes and this, that, and the other. And they left the sanctuary still at ground level and unrebuilt. And then Haggai comes along and challenges them and tell them why they experience experiencing so much financial distress and this, that, and the other, and galvanizes them to start rebuilding and putting that sanctuary back in the center of their, their community, you know, Mm -hmm. so they can, they, well, there's a lot of theology associated with that. But the point is when they started doing that and after they had done all of all that they could, they looked up at the end result of their work and they were discouraged mm. because it didn't look like the sanctuary in his first glory. Mm. But God, God mm. reminded them, you know, and, and that was an experience for them because God had to remind them that this is about a covenant relationship. It ain't just mm. about your work. Yeah. You know, he said, that what you're seeing now is your work. He said, but when you do what, what, you know, God expects you to do through faith, then God is going to add to that his glory. Right. And so God right. says, all gold and silver belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I shake up the heavens and the earth and pour my glory into that work, then you'll see the end results that you're looking for. Wow. And so sometimes, you know, we just look at ministry as something that we can do with the heat, with the resources that we have available to us, you know, but, and don't realize, you know, that the outcome of faith is never within human grasp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it is something, in other words, it is something that God gives us that we have to rely upon God for. If we could do it within ourselves, within our knowledge, within our resource, within our money, yeah. you know, that, that is that we, that we have, then it wouldn't be accomplishment of faith. Mm. You know, it would be a human achievement. That's real. And that's why God forbid it is people just be counting and all this kind of stuff, you know. Wow. <laughs> you know, counting how many people we have, how much money we take up Come and all on, this don't, kind of stuff. Listen, wait, hold on, Dr. Winrow. <laughs> that's what all our churches do now, looking at all the, look, how many people showed up? How many members you got? How many members you got this year? How many members you I got know. saved? How many members you did this? You know? All Ooh, about numbers. All about numbers. But I kind of want to go back a little bit because you said something that was just so gold. You said churches have to get beyond understanding themselves as a refuge center. Mm-hmm. That right there, oh my, the potential. And this is this just leans into the reason why I wanted to not lean into the history of black culture and black communities this month, but lean into how can we propel people forward because I feel like we have a great opportunity within the church to really like thrust people forward. And when I, I, God gave me that vision of propel, it wasn't like, hey, let's just journey forward. No, I mean propel. How can we thrust people forward so that an entire generation can be several steps ahead? Candace, but, I think you're looking for the word catapult. That, right, exactly. Catapult. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Yeah. Because I, I feel yeah. like when you look at your life through the lenses 
of what God wanted to become, then you have such a, a broader vision. Like you were talking about them kids who haven't seen business owners, so you don't do anything. Like we have the opportunity within the churches to educate ourselves so that we can educate our families and educate our children so that they can really, like you said, be catapulted into the future. I was talking to my sister, and she was talking about how she was, she set up a 529. For those of you who aren't aware, it's just kind of like a, college savings account for her daughter and she was just so excited about setting up one but then she was talking to one of her co-workers and one of her co-workers was like yeah we have six set up for our daughter and she was like six I thought I was doing good just having one set up but she knew the loophole within the law and knew that hey I can have this number set up and I can have this much money in them and then also if I get the grandparents to set one up for my children then the child can still receive financial aid all these different loopholes that some people and some communities are aware of some of us just don't know of you know so I think that that's why this conversation of is just so incredibly important for us to really just dive into today I agree you know with you so much Candice that there is a reorientation that first has to take place yeah. you know where members the membership of the church you know has to be prepared to be agents of the ministry not the objects of ministry mm -hmm. you know mm. and so uh, and community organizations uh, are seen as partners in ministry, you know, partners in purpose. You know, mm. I call them the PIPs. You know, mm. we have to have partners in purpose. And so th that is, I say, a fundamental step in making, in transitioning a church, you know, from being church-centered mm -hmm. to community-centered. I'm bivocational in a sense, you know, that I am a CEO of a nonprofit, mm -hmm. you know, but the nonprofit that we established was really for the purpose of carrying out ministry and mission of the church. You know, and it took place at a time when um, churches were not allowed even to compete for social funding. Mm. And so we we were uh, forced more or less, you know, in order to have programs that are that are supported by professional people, you know, as opposed to just volunteers, you know, then we had to compete for the funding that would make that possible. Mm. And so uh, in that sense, you know, I created the... Uh, of what we call Life Circles Unlimited Inc., you know, as a means of going after those funds that the church as a religious organization at one time could not fund, I mean, could not compete for. So I also use the uh, nonprofit as a means of empowering members when somebody comes and says, look, you know, I've been doing this and I want to do this, you mm -hmm. know, as a, as a resource of ministry. Then what I do, I would, you know, use whatever resource I had to write up the program, go, go rent the property, you know, and then put them over as the administrator. You know, mm -hmm. and so that also added, you know, uh, support, you know, to my bivocational role, mm -hmm. you know, as a CEO of a of a nonprofit entity, you know, that was basically doing ministry. Historically, like in the black church context, um, we've been trained that you bring all the product everything into the storehouse right all your ties into the yeah storehouse. right and that you bring things into the church but the church hasn't done a a good job of teaching the members on how to um build right or how to build their own it's been about building like it's been it's been about building the building or the church itself not building their own and i think that's creeped into even how we do ministry Right, that it's all about bring, 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 hoard, 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 but there is no building of ministry. There's no building of, especially when it comes to next gen. Like, I mean, we can have that, or that conversation and that dialogue all day long about how the church does not fund correctly the next gen ministries 
of, of especially the black church. So it's like, how do we uh, change that mindset and make churches more uh, financially astute when it comes to pouring back into the next gen? Right. Because I, 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 I hear I hear what you're saying about um, about making sure that, that our people of faith understand that they have what it takes to go after and how to build it. And God has given them the tools. How do we change that that mindset? How do we let that filter into the next gen? Because right now it's like the black church itself. Like we're, we're not teaching that. I think it has a lot to do. And I hate to hate to. Uh you know, infuse this into the conversation, but there's, it's necessary. There's, there's theology, maybe say ecclesiology, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got to start with a foundation, you know, that Christ is not just head of the church. Christ is also the cosmic ruler of the universe. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? In other words, that's what makes the world a cosmos instead of chaos, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when we recognize you know, that Christ is the cosmic ruler of the universe. And sometimes he speaks to the church from the culture and speaks to the culture from the church, Mm. you know, and the church is an instrument that God uses in his ministry of reconciling a broken world to himself. Mm -hmm. You know, the church is not the sum total of the kingdom. The church is an arm of the kingdom Mm -hmm. and people who become members of the church become instruments, you know, that God uses in his kingdom business, Mm -hmm. you know, and so we have to have to understand that. So when we understand, (laughs) you know, first of all, the, the, the scope, you know, of the rule of Christ, you know, and, and then how the church fits into that, then that simply means that the, the, that the church needs to position itself as a government resource for providing services to the community. Mm. You know, in other words, it's, it's not just about, you know, a separation of the sacred and secular. No, the church, there, first of all, there is no such, sets, there's no such separation. Everything out there is sacred, you know. And so the point is, we have to first record, once we realize that we are in this world or we're in this community for the community and we are aligned with what God is doing, even through these resources, such as government, you know, mm-hmm. and, and city officials and all, we have to position ourselves to partner in those things in bringing uh, services to our people and to the community. That's and that good. is, we have to establish a profile of social engagement. Mm-hmm. We need, we need to, to have commitment, a commitment as a church, to provide community leadership, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's all a part of ground one, ground level, you know, in terms of, of, of obtaining the resources necessary to do the things that the church need to do. I don't think that salaries uh, need to be dependent upon tithing and all. All we're doing when we talk about members, as far as giving, you know, you're just teaching people to be like God. God That's is right. a giver. That's right. You know, That's and right. and 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 to teach those principles is nothing wrong with that, but to make that the all in all of how ministry is funded is a tremendous flaw. So the youth pastor's salary does not have to just come from the tithes and offering right. of the church. And so, and the church no. should, the church yes. should have a foothold in the community to where funds can be raised, grants can be given or whatever that may look like. For that pat for that salary but to, you, to but be But you there. know what? What also to that too, pervy. Some youth pastor or kids pastor might get mad at me about saying this. I feel like for far too long we've said we've talked about hey churches aren't funding these ministries right churches aren't doing this senior pastors or senior leaders aren't doing this right 
but what can we personally do about it mm. as the person in that youth pastor role or that children's pastor role, right? How can you shift your mindset to be way more entrepreneurial in order to go out there and seek some grants, right? Or to seek some community connectivity. But I think a challenge is many of the people in next-gen roles don't want to look at it as their responsibility because, I mean, hey, to some degree, you know, you get a job, your job should be able to take care of you. So I get that part of it. But also when it comes to community partnership, we're hesitant sometimes to partner with communities. And then also we think about grants, and we automatically shudder when we think about grants. Like, ooh, a grant. You know, we get nervous about those kind of things because we just haven't necessarily been taught or equipped on what it really looks like to write a grant. How do you go find them? You know, things like that. It's just automatically intimidating to people. But see, the next element, you had to, the next element is some leaders listening to this call, they may say, you know what, see, I agree with you. But senior leadership won't let them do it. Mm. Senior, leaders, senior leadership won't let them go and seek out grants or seek out other opportunities because of just what uh, uh, Pastor Winrow just said. Like, it's, it's one of those to where um, some churches have the mindset of it's all tithes and offering, right? And some senior leaders yeah. don't even have the concept of outside of tithes and offering giving yeah. and grant funding, right? So the, 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 the youth leader or the next-gen leader might have the, the, the entrepreneurial spirit or the mindset to do it, but the church entity won't let them do it. Well, are you in the right place? You know, you're really you're hitting upon a point um, we find even in Scripture, you know, the church consists of two kinds of leaders. Number one, the dreamers and the visionaries. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is the dreamers that kill the visionaries. Mm -hmm. You know, young men, the Bible said, dream dreams. I mean, old men dream dreams. Young men see visions. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize that a lot of the resource, you know, for the church. <laughs> you uh, just heard wait, go back, like, go back, go back. <laughs> old men dream dreams. Yes, sir. Young men see visions. Yeah. And right, and many times the dreamers kill the visionaries. Wow. You know, and that's a that's a tragic situation. Wow. You know, where people dreaming of what how things used to be. Ooh. You yeah. know, and thinking about how things used to be Ooh. is the way things ought to be. You know, <laughs> you know and, and it's a tragic situation. Wow. Uh, wait, but a lot wait, of the resources wait. I, in I'm terms not trying of to cut you off, but you just dropped a bomb. I, I hope leaders hear that. That is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard using that scripture. Uh -huh. That old men dream dreams, young men dream vision. And what we're seeing now is sometimes the dreamer kills the visionary. That's right. Wow. That's right. That's, that, that's, you know, they feel like the way things have always been is the way things yeah. must be. And, that, that's uh, what's hurting our, that, know that's what's hurting our church right now. Change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the church has to know how to navigate change. You know, yeah. you know, there's some changes that are necessary, a part of development. It's just like you look at yourself, uh, take a picture of yourself today and take a picture and look at a picture of you 20 years ago. You're not yeah, the same. I know. Yeah. You know, you have changed. Things change. You're the same person. Uh -huh. You're the same in essence, you yeah. know, but you have developed. Mm. You know, anytime, you know, churches can't deal with change. Uh, and everything is the same as what 20 years ago. That just means that they have died. Mm, mm, you know, death freezes mm, your identity in time. Mm, you know, you remember, you may may remember the story of, of Megar Everett's when he was exhumed 40 years later after his assassination. His young son uh, superintended that exhumation. Mm, and uh thing that was so profound and amazing, you know, about that situation was that boy was just a kid when his dad was assassinated. Mm. 
And when they opened that casket 40 years later, his dad was an ex that son was a splitting image of his dad. His dad mm. died at 40 years old. This kid is now 40 years old, and they was a splitting mm. image of each other. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Death freezes your identity. And so when a when a uh, a, when if a church don't recognize, they have to know how to navigate change, you know, instead of negate it, uh, then that's 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 very problematic. Yeah. So how would you recommend the, the 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 younger leader who might be in that position to engage the person who they might feel is killing their dreams? Like how can they how can the two work together? in order to really just make some moving forward. Because the, tr the truth of the matter is, too, Doc, you need the people who are a few paces ahead of you. Because the people who are a few paces ahead of you have seen some things, right? And they hold a yeah. certain degree of wisdom that younger folks don't necessarily have. I think that the key to that on both ends is discipleship. You know, yeah. you got to have young yeah. people that have been introduced to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, have a personal and intimate relationship yeah. with Jesus. Uh, because relationships between old and young is not is not easy. That's right. You know, it it you have to have a commitment. Mm -hmm. Re relationships is hard work. It takes hard work, you know, to build relationships. That's right. You know, and and that is a needed and necessary and essential relationship between young people in the church and elders. Mm. Elders mm. in the church. The church needs the dreamers. Yeah. Because otherwise, we would take That's the. Right. We, it ain't no. It ain't no telling where we take the yeah, church if yeah. there were no dreamers in the church. Mm -hmm. You know, people who knew what things, uh, where things should be, uh, ought mm -hmm. to be, you know, and contend for foundational things. The Bible said the foundations are destroyed. What shall the righteous do? Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, elders are appointed from those who are older in the faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but those people who are old in the faith have to realize, you know, that God gives visions, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to men of God young men of God, young women of God. And, uh, and those people have to be, if they are discipled, right, then the relationship between the two is going to be worked out. That's true. You know, and I think to that, to that point, um, you know, one of the things that, and that I, I'm just going to sing your praises through this whole podcast, because I feel like you are probably one of the greatest blessings that God has given me in this past year. And I'm, I'm not even just joking when I say that, I think that, you know, there are some people who you reach out to, and they're always just too busy for this or they're too busy for that, right? Um, you are a person who God has placed in my life. And when I reach out, you say, what's going on? I'm there, right? Let's talk, right? And hey, whenever whenever you need, I got, I got you. And you have really made true on that. And I'm, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for that especially as you know like i'm you know i'm building i'm building a nonprofit. i'm building boone boone is not even a year old yet god has blessed us in so many different ways you know already with some things you know that we have coming down a pipe that i'm just so incredibly excited about some things that i personally <laughs> i don't know how to navigate because i'm new in it and the way that you have personally stepped in and been willing to coach me i'm incredibly grateful for it and it isn't like that you don't have anything going on. There's some people who get who are who are busy and just become too big for their britches. They're just so busy. They don't have any time for anybody to do anything. And that hasn't been true for you. You know, and it isn't like you're just sitting back twiddling your thumbs waiting for somebody to call you. So how have you worked to really navigate and maintain that balance of being so pastoral while also <laughs> being so entrepreneurial in heart because I feel like I have been a direct beneficiary of both sides of you. 
I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> you, know, you know, one of the things that, you know, with me is really just my personal devotion. Uh, I ask mm-hmm. God every day, you know, to help me know him better so I can love him more, yeah. you know, Ooh. and that's just, just a part mm. of my daily, my daily prayer is I want to know him better today. You know, let me walk in your presence. Let me experience your, your, your providence. Um, and I become conscious uh, more aware of people yeah. that God put in my path, mm. you know, that that he wants me to impact in some way or want to, you know, impact my life and my ministry in some way. Yeah. And so it's about, it's about, uh, it kind of is like that passage that said, they that wait on the Lord, yeah. renew their strength. Mm. They mount up with the wings of eagles, run mm. without and not get weary, walk and not faint, mm. you know, and the, and the difficulty and the challenge of, of waiting on the Lord is trying to walk in, in his with his pace, mm-hmm. you know, walk beside him, not in front of him, not behind him, but walk beside him. Yeah. You know, so many times we want to get ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to run ahead, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when we do, we get in trouble. And, and I know that the real key to, to destiny uh-huh. is just walking beside and maintaining that pace. Yeah. And so that's what I try to do. And I try to be aware of, of, of people and, and, uh, you know, people who are doing what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. uh, Candace, with this with this program, yeah. with this ministry. Mm-hmm. I see your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I I see your potential, mm-hmm. and uh, and I pray for your success. But I think that's how we win, though, right? Yeah. That's how yeah. we win when we have senior leaders that say, "I see you, mm-hmm. I see your potential, and I'm, I I want to walk with you. Mm-hmm. I want to stop what I'm doing to answer your call, to answer your text." Because I believe in you, right? Mm-hmm. If we had a version of this conversation to where a senior leader who is not your senior pastor yeah. to a leader who is doing the work mm-hmm. just to confirm and affirm you, Ooh. we have more leaders such as yourself mm-hmm. that are more likely to go forward and do what God has called them to do because somebody believes in them. That's right. I think a lot of times what next gen leaders do, and if you're listening, to this podcast you're watching, sometimes what you will do is you will look for affirmation from your senior pastor. That's right. And when you don't get it from the house, you think that you're inadequate or you're not enough. Mm. My prayer for you is that God will send you someone that's a mentor, someone that sees you, someone that sees you and can say to you, I may be older than you, I may have done ministry longer than you, but I see you, I affirm you, and I pray for your success. Mm -hmm. Because somebody needs to hear that, Yeah. right? And somebody needs to hear from what Dr. Winrow just said to Candace, somebody needs to know that those words are echoing from heaven That's to right. you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap, we got a few more minutes before we wrap, Doc, but I would love for us to just get a little more practical because, you know, hey, within churches, we, we want to raise some money. What we do? We do car washes. We do bake sales. Fish fries. We do fish fries. Yeah. <laughs> plates, you know, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, um, what innovative strategies? I know that you all go after, you know, grants within your church and things like that. But can you just talk about talk a little bit about how you've connected, maybe gotten connected? Because I do think from from what I'm discovering is that some organizations, especially grant funding organizations, are highly network oriented. And it's like, hey, if you're on somebody's radar, then they'll reach out to you about this and reach out to you about that. But sometimes you might not be on anybody's radar, so you have a hard time finding things. Or when you apply because no one really knows anything about you or you don't have any inner connections, then you have a hard time 
um, really securing the funds because these places are highly, highly network oriented. So what innovative um, strategies have you seen implemented in order to just secure more money for either your church or for next gen ministries? Yeah, let, let me just offer a few practical steps. You mm -hmm. know, we talked about, you know, first reorientation, you know, mm -hmm. the church itself, when you, when you talk about the church itself, there has to be some reorientation taking place. Then secondly, positioning, you know, the church need to position itself uh, as a resource, you know, for the government providing, you know, services to the community. And that is you have to establish a social profile mm. of, of, of engagement. It may just be as simple as, as hosting, you know, a housing, a voting, you know, oh, yeah. situation or, or even conducting town hall meetings, you know, whenever there's an election mm -hmm. so people can hear the different perspectives of, of those who are candidates and that type of thing. Uh, it, it may be when you talk about positioning, you know, as a resource, it may be associated with uh, being a coalition builder, mm. you know, because, you know, when when uh, entities, foundations are looking, you know, to make provisions for a particular need you know they don't want organizations that's simply serving themselves you know they want an organization such as what you're doing with boom you know uh where you're serving you know you're serving a ministry need that is cross traditional lines mm -hmm. you know and that positions you to be qualified you know in that area you know for receiving resource and then so the basic then it comes down to the basics and and i know you know, there's no need to rehearse all of this, but the first basic is establishing a 501c3. Yeah. You know, now yeah. uh, the the IRS, many, many churches don't really know that the IRS already considers the church, if it's an established church, right. to be a 501c3, yep. you know. But I would even suggest that they go through the process of filing, That's right. you know, and establishing themselves That's as right. a 501c3, even though the government would recognize them as one. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the second step, once you establish, you know, your uh, means by which, you know, you can receive these type of fundings, nonprofit as well, is to look out into to the community, you know, to discover what are the needs that we need to address. Yeah. What are needs out there that needs to be addressed? Mm -hmm. You know, look out, you know, uh, you can't just, you, you got to have some calls, you know, and there are there are prevailing needs in the community that can be addressed and you should see yourself existing to meet those needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you start by looking out to discover what the needs are, you know, make a profile of what these needs are, you know, and, and, and prioritize them. And then the third thing is get organized to do community, do community ministry, mm -hmm. you know, identify your human resources. What resources do we have to meet these particular needs? You know, so you get organized and understand this. You need experts around you. You need people around you that are capable in particular areas, more capable than yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's important to establish a, as someone would say, a team for your dream. Mm -hmm. You need a team. You know, you need to surround yourself with experts, you know, who have a passion to do particular things associated with your dream. And then, of course, uh, understand this, you know, put the program together and start the program and let the funding catch up with it. Mm -hmm. Usually you can't get funding for something that don't exist. Yeah. Ooh, you know? So you need to start the program yeah. and let the funding catch up with it. Mm -hmm. you know? 
start yeah, the no, program, let the funding catch up with. Start the program, put it together, put the program together, start the program, and you, you, I'll guarantee you the funding will catch up with it. You know, mm, then you can get see. it funded. That's so real. You know, because you're see. doing the work. Yeah, they want to see that. They want, they want to. They want to see, see what it. You, what yeah. you've done. Yep. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and then that's... keep good records. You know, yeah. you got to yeah. keep good records. Provide the data essential. You know, mm -hmm. for writing and requesting, you know, funding, you know, you need to keep good records of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, if you're feeding people, how many people are you feeding? You know, keep good records of that. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, so I would say the basic, deal with the basics. And when it comes to obtaining grants, there are two approaches to that. Number one, you can be a respondent to RFPs. That is a request for a proposal. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to the, to the, uh, to the to the city and request an RFP for what you are doing. Oh. Mm. Talk a little bit about that. No, you don't have that. to wait for RFP. You can go and request one. Mm. Say this is what this is what we're trying to do. This is the need that we're meeting. Do you can you provide me an RFP for this? That's good. And and explain what an RFP yeah. is again. A request for a proposal. You're seeking to do what again with that? In other words, say let's say I have a program where I'm feeding you know, I'm feeding the hungry or I'm housing, you know, people who are homeless, this, that, and the other, and I need funding for it. So instead of waiting on the government to put out an RFP mm -hmm. for, for homelessness, you know, a homeless, you know, situation, I go to them and say, look, I need you to submit me a proposal for funding. Yeah. And so when you do it that way, it, nobody's going to get that, that, that proposal but you. That's right. Yeah. So you ain't in competition with nobody. And you know, and the beauty the beauty of that too is that a lot of times when you, when people are applying for grants and they're you know seeing all these you know these things that are out there, these grant opportunities that are out there, a lot of times you you try to align what it is that you're doing with the proposal that's already been put out there. You try to exactly. align it with with the with with the request is from these major funders. So it might require you kind of to adapt what it is that you might be desiring to do just a little bit in order for it to be aligned with this proposal that would be requested that they, people to put out there. Mm -hmm. But if you go to a, a funder and say, hey, this is the work that I'm doing, I need funding for it, you have a greater ability to get funding for something that is more aligned with your vision and your strategy and, and what it is that you're working to accomplish as opposed to if you just try to find something that's out there. Am I, am I right that's on that, right. Doc? You're right about it. That's, yeah. that's exactly what we're talking about. And I, and I think what... What you just laid out is so important, and I, I, I hope next-gen leaders hear it, because what that takes, that takes you stepping outside of your comfort zone and stepping outside of your traditional box. Yeah. Right. Like, like it, it just, that's not going to come to you, mm -hmm. right? Um, the idea of, um, and I was just talking to one of our producers about it today, about making, making sure you don't have to have what you need in order to start yeah. What you what you're trying to do. That's right. Right. And, that, and that's right. very powerful. Like um, they have to have something to fund. That's right. But we, this generation of leaders that's coming up. I hope you hear that because we have a generation of entitled leaders mm. that, that, that that have grown up with. Just give me because I'm in the position. That's right. Like now nah, there, there's some work that needs to be put in place for you to receive what you need to build yeah. what God is calling you to build. That's true. Yeah. And I think one one other piece to this, too, is, you know, um, securing grants. Is a, is a great is a great avenue to secure some funding, but there's a lot of work and a lot of legwork that can, can go into writing it, and even you know doing like you know your your reviews, um, 
your check-ins that you got to do. Um, so you might need, you know, broader support within, you know, your church. Or if you all are applying for a grant and you're like, hey, I need some support, I can't say I'm going to have all the answers. But feel free to reach out to us. And I mean that. Email us, info at theboonecommunity.com, because you never know who we might know, who we can connect you with to provide you all that sort of support. So please reach out to us if you need any kind of support. Um, but on that same that same line of thinking too, you know, so grants is one one stream, but then also thinking about okay, what can we monetize within our ministries in order to create to generate revenue? Because you know when, when you when you have a grant that might be for a certain time frame, right? But if you can work to figure out something that you monetize, then I look at that as potentially. But depending upon what the idea is, potentially you have a, a longer um, window and more sustained support um, over a potential longer period of time than a grant might be able to provide you support to. So have you seen any ministry, maybe even next-gen ministries, I haven't seen many next-gen ministries that have find, found something to monetize in order to generate revenue. Have you seen anything like that, Doc? Well, you know, your facility itself. You know, we, we lease space, we lease yeah. office space to Pepperdine University to do to do things that are in harmony with our purposes, yeah. such as they provide a conflict mediation uh, program to service the court systems, you know, in Southern California. And uh, and they get grant funding, you know, for that and they pay their lease agreement with us. Mm -hmm. We also use space in our parking lot, you know, for cell towers. You know, mm -hmm. we have a cell tower that that cell provides tower. us with nearly thirty five hundred dollars a month, you know, Listen, just for the space, towers. you know, for it takes up two or three parking spots, you know, but still, you know, we take that space and we monetize it, mm -hmm. you know, so um, there are just things that um, you can do with talents available to you. Uh, you can develop you can develop relationships with schools you know, with people that you have, such as your music uh, ministers, you know, to develop, to work with schools that don't have, you know, complete musical programs, such as choirs and this yeah. type of thing. And you can help them develop, you know, a choir. This may be a community service, but it, all may, it also may be something that it can ultimately receive some type of funding. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, I, I, listen, I dare. I dare yeah. a next-gen leader out Come there. Come on. I dare you. If your church does not have some of those things in place, I dare you to start it and ask the church, hey, give us this percentage of it towards the youth ministry. Give us this percentage of it towards the, towards the kids' ministry. Because how cool would that be? If you come to your senior leader with this idea of a way that your church can generate more money, then, hey, why not give me a certain cut for the ministry for yeah. that? Why not? That's, that's You know, there's a, there's a place uh, that, that I recently discovered uh, a young man in that's amongst guys that I've been discipling, you know, he literally sent me a vision that he has, you know, for ministry, mm -hmm. you know, he called it the hope house, you know, and I just encouraged him. I said, look, doc, if God gives you a vision, he's going to make provision. Just that's keep right. your eyes open, you know, and it was really comprehensive. And, uh, and then he came at me. I, well, actually, you know, I began to think about a place based upon what he had shared, that's literally up in the hills, mm. you know, in this area, in the San Fernando Valley, uh, that used to be an orphanage. And uh, and we took a trip up there. It's about seven miles from nowhere, <laughs> up in the hills. But I'm going to tell you, they have, it is 267 acres. Mm. Wow. There are duplexes that are in good shape. 
mm. fully furnished, that's empty, serving no purpose right now, uh, that that houses 20 to, to 40 people, you know, in each of those, they had like seven duplexes that, that's in a circular area on that campus. They have an administration building. They have a gymnasium. They have an Olympic-sized swimming pool. They have all of that, you know, has been vacated, you know, and has been purchased by a Korean church uh, that get their funding out of Korea. And, and, and they don't have any means of literally, you know, making that property functional. And so what I'm doing, you know, after seeing that is communicating with them to develop a partnership you know, for the use of that property, you know, and making that property available, you know, for different social service concepts, you know, mm -hmm. such as providing uh, a, a one of the duplexes, you know, for as a safe, as a safe house for battered women, wow. provide residential support, you know, for women, you know, with children, mm. you know, provide, provide transitional sober living facilities, you know, for people coming out of rehabilitation uh, programming, you know, so many, you know, it's just about coming up with the vision, coming up with the dream, but mm -hmm. those facilities are available. Yeah. And so I'm just saying, sometimes you can partner with others, you know, mm -hmm. they got all of that property, but they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, we, as, as a nonprofit can come in and say, look, this is what we want to do. This is our vision. We have a reach vision. You know, these are the five objectives of our vision and we would like to partner with you in terms of utilizing this space. Wow. You drop, you, you have laid out some. We started, we started the year off like that, huh? We starting a year off like that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. More to come. I love it. Mm. Great information, doc. Like really great information. I, I hope some next gen leader was just like, taking notes and if you missed a part go back rewind, rewind it. it yeah rewind mm -hmm. it write notes down because there's some great some great nuggets here to uh to really take with you it really is thanks doc for being here um your your wisdom you said i'm not an expert in this you sure sounded like an expert <laughs> to me man <laughs> well i'm gonna tell you what that means you know quite naturally you know you find yourself in a circle of people you know that have a similar vision Ooh. And some of these people have way more experience, you know, in yeah. terms of doing this type of thing. And that's mm. why I feel like, you know, I'm not an expert because I know people I who are much, who yeah. have greater intensity, yeah. you know, in turn and greater experience, you know, mm. as far as years ever having done this, you know, where I may just about not be getting into it. Yeah. You know, having come back from academia and trying to feel like, I, trying to figure out how I can make the church more socially relevant. Mm. I got you. Well, I thank you for being willing to jump in on this conversation. Uh, before we wrap, any last thoughts, anything you want to share before we close out? Bye-bye. No? I'm, I'm calling you when I come to Cali. <laughs> Do so, Doc. Yeah, and uh, I, whatever good food places you got that we can sit down and eat and have some more of this good conversation, I'm there. Mm. Well, I thank you for being willing to be on this journey with us today. This has been an amazing conversation. I hope all of you all listening were able to gather something for it. Let's keep the conversation going over in the Boone Community Facebook group. If you can't find us on Facebook, then head over to our website, theboonecommunity.com, where you can have access to our Facebook group. Until next time, take care. Peace. A special shout out to our team for making this episode happen. This podcast was produced by Ashley Johnson. Production assistant, Jessica Virgil. Theme song composed by GR The Great. 
Special thanks to our Fresh Leftovers family, Legacy and DJ, for production. Co-host, Robert E. Purvey. Our guest, Dr. Dwayne Winrow. Hosted and directed by me, Candace Wynn. And a heartfelt thank you to you, our listeners, for your continued support. 